You are listening to Living with ADHD and CPTSD. Available on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. and welcome to another episode of Living with ADHD and CPTSD. Today's CPTSD episode is called Learning to Play the Game. Now, I want to make sure everybody understands the title because I was told before I started making this episode that there are going to be people out there who might get this title confused because a lot of people who have suffered from CPTSD have been played or they their per, the person who was abusing them was kind of like using as a game or like playing them as a game so the reason that I'm calling it this is because a lot of you probably don't realize that my background as I was in a as my in my excuse me in my younger years I played and coached and also refereed football and I'm very knowledgeable and I use a lot of references at times, especially with specific things towards football and football phrases and words and stuff. So learning to play the game is a way of putting it in a manner of I'm starting to understand how CPTSD works, the methods when it comes to, you know, unblending and, you know, learning the signs of triggers and learning how to process and how to ground. And like, it's basically like learning the playbook on how to get from being in a hypervigilant state and always getting triggered and always being on alert and alarm and worrying about you know fears and and who's going to hurt you to being in a state of healing and in a state where you feel good about yourself and you feel that nobody's going to hurt you nobody's going to do anything to you and believing it and your parts believing you so I just wanted to get that out there before I really get into this so that nobody's confused or thinking that I'm giving the wrong impression. Okay, so many of you know, I have been dealing with complex trauma for quite a long time, about three years now. And as you're aware, I was first Dis, you know, first diagnosed with CPTSD by my psychi- psychologist who, <clears throat> after a few ep- um, visits and, you know, me explaining to him what was going on with in, in my world and my history as to why things were happening the way they were day in and day out and with different people, he determined that I had definitely suffered from trauma-related incidents in my life, uh, both in early childhood, later childhood, uh, through my early teen to mid-teen years from school and other situations that revolved around um, social situations and family. And so... (sighs) As, as we all, you know, start to, to learn as we're going through the process of identifying our trauma and where the events occurred and who was involved in causing that harm towards us, we start to see deeper into ourselves and start to understand and I guess you could say like cope at first and then 
as as we all know, especially those who have gone through a lot of therapy throughout the years of since they've been diagnosed, know that it's not an easy road to get from feeling always on alert and always scared to on a on the opposite side, which is feeling healing and feeling better about ourselves, feeling confident and not always feeling shame or sadness or you know like the slightest thing even unrelated to why we're having a traumatic relapse causing us to become triggered and blended with our system we get there are so all these stages and in my words in order to get there i'm having to learn how to play or learning how the game works because there are things that none of us understand at first and we don't know how to identify why we're feeling this way we don't know how to learn how to avoid it or how to cope in a way that is is not harmful not only to ourselves but to anybody else that is around us because as a lot of people who have severe trauma due to childhood abuse or even in their teenage years due uh, due to abuse, they sometimes have situations that occur where they are so scared or so frightened that they inadvertently put other people in their lives in danger. And, you know, like you're there's that possibility that something really horrible could happen to them because as a person who's blended and triggered with their child parts, you often don't realize until after you become unblended and you're no longer triggered, you don't often realize that there's something that has happened and it could be anywhere from saying something hurtful and mean and or being having a childish behavior that you you display in front of like your loved ones or family or friends or like work co-workers and it goes to the extreme that you could completely blank out or black out or if you're if it's really severe become dissociated to the point where a completely new identity that you're not aware of comes out and then you come to 20 minutes 10 20 minutes later with zero memories of whatever just happened so if you're doing something like driving downtown or in a busy intersection with traffic and all of a sudden you dissociate and you have zero memory of what's occurred you could inadvertently cause an accident or something dangerous could occur from your, you know, that, that you've done and you have no memories whatsoever of it because you have been dissociated to the point of a completely different personality and identity coming out from within and you just don't have any... It, you're not in control literally the personality is in control of you mentally and physically and that is dissociative identity disorder now i don't have this thankfully i'm i'm fortunate enough to not have to to deal with that kind of uh, diagnosis but there are times when i have become triggered and i have said something that is clearly childish to the person that it's being said to and they see it that way but i have no ability to notice that that's what's that's what's coming out of my mouth i think i'm the adult in my mind i feel like i'm the adult but the reality of the situation is that that is not the case so in order for me to as i to get back to the whole point of this topic to get a grip on your life and to understand what reality is and what is not reality you have to understand how these things how to get there what you 
need to do, what you need to accomplish and things that you have to work on in order to get there. Because it's just like anything else. <coughs> Excuse me. It's just like a job, a new job, or learning a new hobby, or learning how to do something that someone's showing you. Like, let's say you want to, they want to show you how to make uh, a neat little meal that involves a number of steps and preparation and then obviously putting it together and then cooking it and making sure that it's not, you don't burn it and how to just, you know, how to dispense it out. Just like any of these things, it doesn't, it's not something that you're going to be able to do perfect very at the very start, the very first time you do it. It's, that's just not a thing. There are, there's rare prodigy type people who maybe have the ability to do it right almost perfectly the first time but that's 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 an exception that is definitely not the norm so most people they find they 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 start doing something they they start a new job and they go through training and they shadow somebody for who knows how long or they or they learn a new instrument and they take lessons and it takes a number of lessons for them to start to understand how this works and how to change you know like you're learning like let's say you're learning to play guitar you have to learn the different chords you have to learn how to properly handle the guitar and the, and the movement that you have to use with your fingers and your hand in order to make the sound right so that it doesn't sound muffled or too hollow it, there's all these things that that you get taught that you have to learn by practicing and that's how you get better so in an in a similar way when it comes to complex trauma and learning how to to you know to to change your life for the better it takes a lot of practice it takes a lot of personal time and it, you, the thing is is that you're going to end up and as i've said in previous in, in a previous episode you're going to have days where you're going to feel like you're not getting it or that it makes no sense why are you going backwards when you should be learning and moving towards a healing process and getting better when you're learning how to do something just whatever it is unless you're really good at learning how to do this or whatever it is that you you happen to learn or be learning there is a good chance that you're going to have setbacks where you think you're doing it right and then someone comes along and says actually you know there's something there's you're doing something kind of not quite right here if you would just maybe try this a little differently and you know he he or she like demonstrates it for you and you go ah Right, I see. Okay, yeah, and then you try it, and all of a sudden you're going, "Gee, this actually feels easier. This, this, this is better." And there you go. It's it's kind of like a that's a that's a minor setback, but that that's not one that's going to make you get all upset and and give up for a day and then come back and say, "All right, well, let's go." That's it's it's similar, but this is a that's a learning experience, and you get better because someone is has given you some helpful advice and tips on how to how to get there better and how to make it easier for yourself so it's the same way when it comes to healing from your trauma now the thing is is that the healing process for the majority of people who have dealt with complex trauma is that the time frame takes years and as i've said before and you know a lot of us are probably aware is a good like with a good therapist who has the right process and the t- uses the cur- the the best method for you to do to to start the healing it take it can take 5 years if it's really severe and you've got a lot of complex trauma and a lot of situations it you could go 10 years in therapy before to truly get to the place that you need to be, you know, in a state where you are healed and any kind of event that could trigger you is not going to cause any 
any any pain or fear and instead you're going to be able to adapt to it and immediately make the adjustments and talk to your parts and say everything's okay and then everything moves on and then you don't get triggered that's that's for a lot of people it's going to take that kind of time to get there to get to that healing point so i now to get back to the specifics here when i started out i just remember there was some there were a few flaws when it came to my healing process and the big one was there was kind of an early expectation or how would i put it an unrealistic expectation that was put on me and it was a it was a positive expectation but it was it was flawed it wasn't accurate because it felt like both to my therapist and to my girlfriend who has a lot of experience and knowledge when it comes to complex trauma and and the the work involved in healing they both thought that I was making a lot of progress. I was doing really good for such a short period of time. And I kind of, in many ways, I took that to heart so strongly that when things didn't go right, according to how I thought it would go because of the work that I was doing and the expectation that had been set, I was getting really distraught and it was like, Okay, think of it this way. You put all this hard effort and work into something. Okay, here's here's a good example. You go and you put tons of effort into a garden. You you plant everything and you water it and you and you make sure the soil is is clean and there's no weeds in it and and you're you know, you're giving it fertilizer and it's getting plenty of sun. You put it in the right spot and it grows and it's really starting to come out and, and you're excited because you know that in a month or two, you're going to have all these vegetables and all this food that you're going to get to put away and eat later on and, and serve to your family for dinner and for lunch or whatever. And so you're looking forward to this so much. And then all of a sudden something happens like, a nasty storm comes and destroys half your crops or you get a little rabbit who decides he's going to eat your carrots or your celery or your lettuce or whatever you planted and he's going to eat it and he comes in day after day and takes your food and you you're so upset and you're so disappointed because you're you had this expectation that you were going to have a ton of crops and you're going to have so much food to share and enjoy and it was going to be so tasty and now 60% or 70% of it is gone because of the fact that something completely unexpected happened that's kind of how i felt when something would go wrong and I was, I would say to myself, or I would say to my girlfriend, "Well, I don't understand why this is such a struggle. Why I'm, why this isn't working? I've done so well. I thought I was past this point. I thought I was, this wouldn't occur anymore. You know, I thought I could do better." And repeatedly, time after time, again and again, I would think, "I'm there. I'm finally getting somewhere. This is my time. No more failing." And yet I'd do it the very next day. And it could be anything. I, I'd, I'd get triggered. Uh, I would fail to recognize the trigger. It would, we, would, we would fight for hours on end. And I was denying the reality. And we would argue and argue. And then she'd, she'd expense all this energy and time into trying to convince me that this, this is what the reality of the situation was. And then four hours later, it would finally click in my mind and I'd go, oh, I see. Right. Yes. Okay. Now I understand. And then it would just clear. My brain would finally clear out and, and things would make sense and the trigger would go away and I'd feel 
understanding and get a have a grip on everything and so this was happening over and over and it was extremely frustrating because i kept thinking that i was getting i was making all this progress i had these unrealistic expectations put upon me by people because at the in the moment it looked like i was making great progress that i was making i was going really far understanding all of cptsd and going wow this is i'm i'm getting there i'm healing i i think i'm not gonna get triggered again or i'm not gonna experience my trauma like this and then it would it none of what i thought would occur would actually happen and so it would be extremely disappointing and I would get really hard on, get down on myself. I'd be extremely hard on, on myself. And I would like, I wouldn't get depressed necessarily, but I would really feel really down. And I wouldn't think very highly of myself. I didn't think I'd get anywhere. I'd be, I'd fail. Um, a lot of this upset my girlfriend because she was getting to the point of just tired of, of trying to help and feeling like it wasn't getting anywhere. And I was having a hard time understanding what reality was and truly figuring out in my brain what was happening, why I couldn't recognize the triggers, why I was having such a hard time staying grounded. All these, all these little things that I was failing to do and I, had, I couldn't figure out why it was. So I had to learn, and, and unfortunately I learned the hard way, that my expectations have to be realistic and they can't be high. They've, I have to have low to medium level expectations in order to not have myself get extremely crushed in under all this pressure and all this weight especially if it's an unrealistic setting you know don't go if you if if you know hockey don't go on the ice thinking that you're always going to score every shift you take you're going to score a goal that you're never going to get checked that you're never going to lose the puck you think like that the moment you do lose the puck or you don't score on a shift or you fail, you're going to you're going to be hard on yourself. And then all of a sudden you're going to start to lose confidence and you're not going to it will affect your performance and your ability to do what you think or what should be easy. So your expectations have to be at a level that is proper and normal for someone who deals with trauma and is learning how to heal and how to deal with the trauma and with their parts. So that was the that was my first error. So learning again, learning the game, learning how to have the proper expectations. So a lot of that plays into most of my recent past even up to very maybe the last few months or so before that changed and i know that i i I would say that to myself a lot where i felt like i was past some i was finally past that step that i was in the right place but then i realized very soon after that 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 wasn't reality and it was you know crushing and some days it was really more severe the the disappointment within myself than other days and it sometimes just got to the point where i felt like just i had enough right like it didn't matter anymore like whatever i'm just gonna have to deal with this for the rest of my life so be it if i don't have friends or if i don't have relationship or i don't have any close ties with anyone well that's just the way it is for me but that's that wasn't good enough. I didn't want that. I want to have close relationships. I want to have friends that I can trust and that want to hang out with me. I want to be able to have the confidence to, you know, get involved, do things. So, no, I, I didn't want to give up. So I work hard. I know sometimes it doesn't necessarily look like it to certain people, but I do work hard 
nearly every day. Some days I'm really just exhausted. Uh, my ADHD at times does play into this a lot. So it can be very stressful and very exhausting with hardly any kind of work. And a lot of times I try to use methods like some people call it dissociation. A lot of times they are right, but I also like to take time to just not think about life and not think about stress and my trauma, like my, the past that got in and caused all this to begin with. And that's healthy. Like sometimes you need time away, right? So, okay. So I, there's, there are situations, there are certain things that throughout the time that I have from diagnosis to present day, there are things that have constantly been a pain in my neck that could never, I could never figure out. I would do everything I could to understand it and to try to get to the root of the cause or find out why this is caught, this is happening. And I would have virtually no luck whatsoever in getting to solve it or to figure it out or to find something that could I could use to help me get closer to an answer. Uh, one of the big ones is why couldn't I realize or, well, at first it was why couldn't I realize that I'm triggered and then eventually it was, I can feel the triggers. There are signs of it that are coming out, but I'm not able to act upon that and stop the conversation or stop myself from getting worse. And so instead of sitting there and taking it and getting more and more triggered and getting more blended with my system, you know, like just kind of like a like a storm growing bigger and bigger and bigger and getting more violent and, and, and harder rain, you walk away and you say, I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm triggered right now. Something, something has triggered me. I need to step back and I need to take a break. And when I'm, when I have recovered and I'm not triggered anymore and I've done some processing, then we can continue this conversation. That's what the expectation of me is, is to be able to say, like feel the trigger or feel the the trauma you know reoccurrence and to be able to stop what is what I'm doing whether it's having conversation or doing an activity and to speak up and say I I got to stop I'm I'm not something's not right I I'm triggered and I need to go away for a bit I'm having a hard time acting on the feeling like standing there having her, you know, talking to me and, and it's trying to explain and she's getting upset and more frustrated and more angry. And I'm standing there and I'm frozen and I can feel the effects. There's, I can feel the signs. I can feel the physical signs. I can, I'm starting to under, to see the mental and notice the, the changes mentally that are occurring in my mind that are telling me, okay, something is wrong here. You're, I think you're triggered, buddy. You better stop. And I just stand there and I take it. And I, and despite all the signs, it's like my brain can't connect. There's a wire that has fallen off one of its connections and there's no way to get it back on. I don't have, it's like, I don't have the right tool or it's a hot wire and I have no ability to, I can't touch it because it's, it, it's going to shock me or kill me if I do, you know, not literally, but, and so I'm, I'm struggling to have the next step in, in the stages of recognition to action to start and to continue healing. I'm, I'm struggling with that step of notice of taking the action when you see or feel that you're triggered. And I didn't, I couldn't understand. Like I'm, I'm we're, we're after we've cooled off and we've had our chats and you know, we're, we're discussing this. 
and of course I'm not triggered. I'm, I'm, I'm maintaining the adult form and we're both sitting there going, there's something that you're not doing or that is preventing you from, from noticing and act, well, not noticing, but from acting on the trigger or the, the fact that you're triggered. And the only way I could really solve it was to, I had to kind of like over, I don't know, a day or two, I had to do like a, a brain session or a cram cramming session, like a study, you know, like you, when you're trying to study for a test and eventually it, it kind of just clicked and I don't remember the details, like the specific as to what it was that made it click in my brain. I said, ha, I got it. I think I now know why I'm struggling with the, with, with acting on the trigger. And the reason that I, that it was happening is because I was so emotionally dysregulated that there was no emotion. Like I, I had no ability to feel anger. I couldn't feel the sadness. I couldn't feel the frustration. I had no, there was no excitement. There was no happy feeling. It was like, I was just like a robotic numb individual the whole time after like upon the trigger. And it wasn't like it just went and all of a sudden I'm just the dead numb robotic with no emotion whatsoever. It, it was a slow, gradual increase. And it was just enough that it kind of hit itself and then appears and it would appear at just a, uh, the right amount that my brain didn't go, Hey, hello, you're triggered, do something. And then of course the brain goes click, click, click. Okay. Yep. 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 All right. Hey, look, I'm triggered. I got to do something. Instead, I was so emotionally dysregulated that there was no movement, no response. It's, it was like I was there, but I wasn't really there. It's like I'm watching and I'm listening and I'm hearing the voice and I'm seeing what's going on around me and observing and there's no, I, I wish I understood the neurological explanation, you know, for what happens. But it's like there was no connectivity in the situation. All, all the events and all the signs weren't triggering that part of the brain that activates the response, right? Like we all have either known about it or have been told about the, the fight, flight, freeze and fawn actions when we get triggered and when we're having trauma responses. We either fight, you know, we, we defend ourselves and we, and we, because we're in danger, we fly or flight, we escape because we feel like it's, we're not, we're not going to win if, if we do fight. So we got to run and, and, and hide and get safe. We freeze because it's so overwhelming and too much, it's so much that we just, we, we can't do anything, which is unfortunately very dangerous. Or we do the fawn, which is we try however we can to coerce or to convince whatever it is that's harming us to stop. That we'll do whatever it takes to end the pain and end the suffering. So my I was often having a freeze moment. And because of the overwhelming feelings and, and, and the trigger and... The fact that I would be stuck and I'd become robotic, I was freezing. And all that emotion, all my ability to have any kind of emotional responses, physically, mentally, were just not happening. And so I, it's, it's been a process. It's not something that it was, has taken, like has been easy. And, it, and it's been a, a quite a while since I've, since this occurred and I'm getting there. It's just, it's not going at the speed that I want. Like I'm, I'm not making a lot of progress to the point where I'm feeling the emotions and I'm seeing it and I'm making the right choices. 
it's it's a struggle. There have been days that have been better than others. And as I was talk, as I told my therapist, I was saying there's progress because I'm not allowing myself as much to get triggered. I'm maintaining the adult's stature and he's the one that's present in the, in the moment of, of what's happening. But what's now occurring is that the emote, like I don't have, it, it felt like I didn't have the ability to use the emotions. Like I had no experience with them. I didn't know what to do. And unfortunately, this was, this was really unfortunate. I know I used it unfortunately. This is really unfortunate, but it was it was really a bit of a setback because in order to be able to respond appropriately, you have to have emotional connection. Like the thing that was really bad is that I could hear all the stuff was going on. I was understanding the conversation, understanding the words. It's just I didn't have the ability to make the response back that was appropriate or empathetic or like showing signs that I was caring or concerned or sad that my behavior wasn't appropriate. And I would be just instead of saying the correct, you know, empathetic response that would cool off the heat that was coming from both of us, it would, it was like, it felt like a, a, there was no empathy or no emotion whatsoever. And there was no connection between us. And it was just causing her to get more upset. And then I was starting to get more overwhelmed. And eventually it would just be too much and I would get triggered. It, so it was, it was a very big and difficult struggle on my behalf. And I, it's, I did make some progress recently where I was able to make a better connection emotionally with her and it eased the discomfort on both of our sides. So instead of it being a, a, any kind of a fight, it was really alleviated awful quickly and we were able to avoid anything, any kind of you know, serious issue. And I, I realized that there was some progress and I, and I made a good step forward. And now the next step was to grow from that experience and continue to get better at it and to, to have that ability. The thing now is I'm still struggling with the, I guess you could call them rules. I get a, I, I cause an issue and it's not of course intentional. It's, it's an accidental issue that I've created due to uh, my poor communication skills, limited abilities to, to get the words out properly, to make sense, uh, to, to clearly communicate my point across. And she would state her feelings like she would say i'm having a hard time dealing with this because your your lack of whatever is making me feel frustrated and i was continuing instead of saying i'm really sorry that how the way i am my behavior or my lack of communication or a lack of clear communication with you is making you frustrated and feel angry. I'm sorry. I realize that that's not right. I would try to get defensive or well, not like angrily defensive. Like this is you're incorrect. I don't think that's right. I would tr okay. The I guess the more specific or accurate explanation was that I would give an explanation. I would try to explain why it happened or what happened or why I did this and. It would always seem to be that's what I would say rather than respond to meet her needs, like emotional needs, right? She says, I feel sad. And instead of me saying, I'm sorry that you feel sad, I realize what I've done has caused this. I would explain 
why my behavior caused her to be sad and that I'm trying to fix it. Well, that's not what it was. That's not what she wanted. She wanted me to, like I said, meet her emotional needs. And I have struggled with this. And 90% of the time, I am still struggling with the ability to do this. It's like I have this built-in response that I have to continually work on chipping away at the old memory and the old learned lessons that are in for 40 years and replace them with these newer memories and these newer experiences so that the the hope is is that I will do what is required of me immediately no prompting no reminders right like it's it's something that i've been trying so hard to to get better at but it's difficult and i i often get frustrated and lately when this occurs and i realize that i have once again for the 1000th time failed to do the thing right that i am expected to do I would get down on myself. I would feel bad. And it was, you could see it. Like there was, I felt like I just didn't care. You know, like I I, I didn't really want to do anything. I wanted to find something that I could use as a fix. Now, I don't mean like taking something, uh, abusing my system. I meant like, uh, an entertainment fix like a like an an emotional fix that could help me get over it or to move past it and feel better so i would i would either well there's a couple things that i did i would either find something entertaining to watch like stream a movie or a show that was funny or i really like and it's just it was really hard to to find something because i was getting really picky and it was like i have to find the exact absolute right perfect thing in order to do this or i would oh, i would stress eat and that's well that's not healthy because you're eating a lot of junk food you're getting that 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 sugar rush or that dopamine feeling from the 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 taste that good taste that you get that goes oh that's so good mm, i want more so you're getting that hit and that's what i was using to get away from the reality of the hurt and the and the disappointment and that that feeling of god damn i screwed up again why can't i get this right why is this so damn hard so that's what I would do. I used to do that all the time in the past. I would have stressful situations that would trigger me. And instead of dealing with it, and of course I didn't know how, I, I had no idea. I would just go and buy junk food or candy or pop or whatever. And I would find ways to, to cover it and to make it go away. And sure it felt good in the moment even though i i paid for it you know my stomach would feel bad or i would have issues digestively the next morning or the ultimately i would gain weight which is of course what i did and it's not a healthy thing to do and unfortunately and i realized that there are a lot of people out there all over the world that they have traumatic events and they don't know what to do. They have no idea how to handle it. So they either use things like drugs or alcohol to get a fix, to cover up the pain and the sadness and the, dis and the disappointment, or they eat food because it feels good when you eat it, right? And I get that that's their way of coping with their pain. But honestly, it's not a really safe way to live your life because it may not catch up with you right then and there, but eventually it will. If you don't take care of it and find a way to heal, it's going to catch up. And then before you know it, 
you're it's gonna not be good at all you're not it's it's you're gonna pay for it and i realized that and i don't give up but the level of frustration and the like i don't even really understand necessarily how to express what i'm feeling and it's internal it's it's all internally like trapped and i don't know how to express it i've there have been so many times where i have been wanting to go and talk and express my frustrations and my pain and my concerns and show her that i really care and that i'm i understand what's happening and how i feel and how hard it's been and I find it extremely difficult to do it because I'm scared. You know, like I'm scared that it's not going to work out right. I I honestly don't know how it's going to go. And it's a lot of that is still trauma related because you're afraid of possibly upsetting someone or being vulnerable. <clears throat> a lot of this has to do with being vulnerable to the people that you love or to those who love you. And that's where we often fail is, and especially with a lot of men out there, because we were born into families who their family members, and especially could be their father or their grandparents or even their mother, where expressing feelings and emotion is frowned upon or even to the point in some countries where it's not allowed. You're not allowed to express your emotion and how you feel and express vulnerability to others because it's a sign of weakness. And men aren't supposed to be weak. Men are supposed to be strong and toughen up and deal with it and move on and be a man, right? And that's just wrong. I don't, I'm, I'm not trying to get into morals or the right and wrong here, but that has a lot to do with it. And I did grow up in a family that I didn't really feel comfortable at a certain age that I was able to express how I felt. And it was like that piece in my brain or that part in the, in the brain that deals with emotion it's like it was slowly fading away and ceased to work. Because I remember talking to my therapist about this and he asked me roughly what age did you notice where it felt like you weren't expressing emotions anymore or you weren't feeling or, you know, you wouldn't show it. And I remember saying it was like about 12 or 13 when it changed. It's like it was... Because I, I remember when I was younger, like I, when I was a little kid, I expressed emotion. I'd get, if I was angry, I'd get angry. If I was sad, I was sad. You know, if I was really happy, I'd be happy. It's just at a certain age, it started to go away. And I had a difficult time really expressing any kind of emotions. I think the only one that ever came out to some degree was excited you know like I was happy and, and excited and anticipating good stuff but if you were to compare it to a healthy person I would say my level of happiness that I would express openly would be 30% of what the healthy person would express and the other thing that I did say was the only of all the expressions and all the emotions that would be easily expressed, the one that I could express easily would be annoyance, uh, anger and annoyance. And he actually stated that that's quite a common thing among men due to how we were brought up and tradition and all that. And men, of course, were expected to be the tough guys, the people that would take care of things. Um, you know, he didn't literally say get into fights and be violent and stuff, but it kind of 
comes that way. A lot of ego and testosterone and all that crap. So I guess clearly I wasn't healthy, obviously, emotionally. And I remember we were talking about the last time that I really had any kind of true feelings, like happy, like that that sense of awe, that sense of accomplishment, or that that really good tingling feeling inside. And I told him the last time that I had felt anything that that resembled real, true happiness was nine years ago. And I actually, I think it's it's literally almost nine years, or it's just over. I was in the city of Regina, Saskatchewan, and for you Americans and other people uh, not from Canada, it's this is a province that's almost nearly in the middle, and it's a small city of about 200,000 people. I know, a lot of you probably live in cities that are millions, so this is not exactly big, but there was a Canadian Football League championship, the, the Grey Cup game was that weekend and I had had a really rough week like physically and mentally I just didn't I just felt like it was a really bad week I was in the early stages of having some health issues that was really causing a lot of mental stress and anxiety which was the birth of my mental problems, my anxiety and stress that were, I guess you could say, caught, you know, brought up everything that I'm dealing with now. And I was, it, I just wasn't feeling good. I was physically feeling, you know, terrible. And mentally it was draining and I was scared and paranoid and everything was just going wrong. And despite all the excitement and the fun that was going on. Like I had been there since Tuesday. And so there was four days of fun and hanging out with family and everything. Despite all my best efforts at the end of the night, it, I kept thinking back to this and it was just, and that's all it was. It was so strong and so powerful. And I felt so bad that that's, what would end up being there at the end of the day. And it was just, it was too much. A lot of times it was too much. And I, I felt like I was zoned out that I was like a person, I guess you could say sleepwalking or off on their own in their own world, you know? And I, it's like, I missed out on stuff. I felt it, if you were to, I guess if you could say, if you had seen me in the room with all the, with everybody around, it would be like I was off dreaming in my, in my own little space. And I saw later on that it, how this affected me. Like it, I, I just wasn't myself for the longest time. Normal things that my, I would typically do or how I would act or behave or, whatever like it just it wasn't there it it didn't feel normal anymore and it's because i was constantly dealing with this with this pain and and this mental health issue that was so overwhelming that it truly defined my 30s like it was it was pretty bad i'm not going to go into it too much detail because it's very personal to me and i'd rather not but yeah, I, okay, let, anyways, to wrap it up for this, the Sunday was the big game and, you know, you, I, I was trying very hard to stay focused, worry about the game, have fun, enjoy it, not allow my thoughts to, to go back to this health problem. And the best thing is that my team won its game. It won the big game at its home stadium in front of its home crowd. And I remember standing at the gate 
like there there's this uh, sorry not gate a uh, metal kind of barrier or guard along the stands and I just remember standing there watching the team uh, accept the cup and the cheering and and that that energy that you could feel from the crowd and that like excitement and happiness and that it was so strong and it felt so amazing like it was like I just remember standing there going wow they did it it was amazing and I was taking it all in and I could I was feeling happy and I was feeling such awe and oh I I, I can't I don't even really know how to describe it. It just felt really good. And for a moment there, for 10 minutes, as I stood there taking it in and just feeling the energy from the crowd and from the field, I felt good. I didn't feel the pain. I didn't feel that mental stress that was that had been dogging me for such a long time. And it was it truly was the last time that I really felt that way. And even though I know today without a shred of doubt that nothing is wrong, like I'm not going to have any, any problems, the fears and the, and the anxiety that was created back then nine years ago never came. And my reality was, is that it's some other problem that I can deal with and it's i've just it's i've never been able to get past it enough to feel normal again like to feel absolutely 100% normal feel like myself again and it's been tough like i've gone through a lot and there's so much difficulty and so much anxiety and fear and pain throughout my life that it's taken a lot of effort and a lot of work just to get close to it i feel like i can get there i'm just still learning how and still figuring out the right play and the right move and the right sequences in order to get there and I do have a lot of support. I have friends and certain family members that are there that I can talk to when I need to. I have my girlfriend who I can rely on if I really need to talk about something that I can talk to about. And it does make life a lot easier. I just know that there's so much ahead of me and it's a lot of work and for you guys out there for those who are struggling with trauma and you're feeling overwhelmed and you feel like it's way too much and you feel like you feel alone and you just feel nothing but sorrow and pain and sadness you can get there it can get better but you have to you have to understand that it's up to you no one else can do this. You have to put the work in in order to get to where you need to be. And it's going to be a struggle. This is going to be a very difficult time in your life, but you have to stay in a positive way. Like you have to try and find something that can keep you afloat, keep you going, and you will get there. Don't quit, don't give up on yourself. And try to see the light in every situation. Even the darkest rooms, the darkest places, there is light and you can get there. It's going to take some work. I'm, I'm so close and I still have days where I feel extreme sadness and extreme frustration. Almost to the point where I just want to lash out but i know that that's not going to solve anything and that's another episode of living with adhd and cptsd i hope this was a very informative episode for you 
If you have a comment that you'd like to give to me or a suggestion of a new episode, or if there's just something you'd like to say, then there are a number of ways you can get in touch with me. First, you can email me at livingwithadhd and cptsc at gmail.com. You can also contact me at Twitter. That is at ADHD and CPTSD. You can also go to Mastodon. My name is Living with ADHD and CPTSD. If you would like to donate to my show, you can go to Kofi.com. That is ko-fi.com slash living with ADHD and CPTSD. You can go to my Patreon page, Living with ADHD and CPTSD, and you can become a member where you can get merchandise and other free fun stuff that you can enjoy and support the show. My website address is www.livingwithadhdandcptsd.ca. Okay, so there we go. I hope you enjoyed. Until next time, I'll talk to you later. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you.